the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Hey everybody, welcome to the SpotTrack.com podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester along with Paul Peck and the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. We're brought to you by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. You know the deal. They're empowering professional athletes and entertainers. Get the most out of their deals, right? Give them the knowledge and everything to make informed decisions about their finances and their wealth. Learn more. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, a member SIPC. Boy, let's talk about the horse race first, right? Yeah, some of no. our listeners may be uh, in need of financial let's, assistance. Let's after wait 22 minutes to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, fascinating. Um, <laughs> did you talk to Mike? I mean, Paul's I, good I friend is Mike Tarico, I, I, I best friend. So. And uh, it just because I, I know he's busy, and and uh, I, I, I do want to talk to him, and I'll re- yeah. we'll relay that to everybody when I do. And uh, you know, I can't imagine um, what the challenge of being a broadcaster in something like that was. That you know, at first you don't know what's going on, and then you start to get an idea of what could be going on, but it's unprecedented, and it, it never happened. And I guarantee you that as much as at a network level, they plan for so many different um, uh, parameters and uh, alternate, you know, courses of action. More than likely, they never had a discussion about what do we do if there's a, an objection and a disqualification. Right. The only thing I can relate it to, and, I, and I, you probably covering it also, was the 99 Stanley Cup Finals, the no goal, the mm-hmm. skate in the crease. Yeah, but if right. you remember... Um, they that, let him out. No, we, we, nobody knew it for like 15 minutes Correct. after it ended because... But we couldn't get in anywhere. Remember, we could not get right. in the press room or the locker room. And they didn't show a replay of it. because right. they didn't I don't, have the technology I, They didn't back show right. the replay for like 15 minutes. And first, when you saw the replay, you're like, oh my God, his foot's in the crease. But it was 20, 15 minutes after the game had ended already. I remember just standing out in the, waiting to get in. To, you know, everybody's like, what's going on? And you're hearing rumors, and you could hear the screaming from the coaches' offices, which are just inside of a door uh, in the hallway, and, and then banging on the door. You could just hear it. And you're like, what? What is going on? Then they storm back out onto the ice, right? It, they yeah. storm back to the bench. Well, and then they, I forget who they threw out there at the NHL, but it was just like this guy was just a pinata, you know? <laughs> yeah, head of a giant something or other. Yeah, head of it was just not. But anyways, yeah. the, uh, to the Kentucky Derby, what a uh, a, a precedent setting. Uh, decision but i mean but it is and it isn't and, I, yeah. and that's well, where mike i think wants well, to chime it is and it isn't it's, it's happened but it's, not in the it's Kentucky unprecedented well, for me, all of us who watch one horse race or three horse races right. a year i guess the point you're about to make here is this happens regularly in the sport i've listened to a few gaming commissioners be interviewed in the past few days because this is just fascinating right because i actually do follow horse racing a decent amount and yeah this is common you know, if you show up to a racetrack for, you know, nine, ten races, you're going to see this happen. It's just we all, we're nobody's, all... nobody's had the guns right. to do it the first week of May on a Saturday. It's, right. No one's had the guns to do this, right? We've all seen photo finishes. That's one thing. We we're have. all familiar with that. We have, but those photo finishes have gotten clearer and clearer, haven't they? Yes, they have. And that's really where we are. There's uh, no escaping this anymore. Like the video, the stills, everything is crystal clear perfect. And it's being posted to Twitter in four seconds, and you can't get around this. Could you imagine waking up Sunday morning if you were responsible for this call and you made it the other way? Can you imagine? Or you wow. didn't make you it imagine? at all. That's what I mean. Right. If they didn't make the call, yeah. 
right? If they just sort of ignored this, sort of like the NFL does with a lot of things, right? And, if they just and sort of I, hope it goes away. It's and not I give going them away credit. The I, I give the storage credit because this to. could have easily happened. Most people wouldn't have known it happened. Okay. Mo, you know, the horse people would have said that's a blatant. Sunday and, and morning, clear. they would have killed people for that. Y- yep. Yes. Yeah, but most, but the majority of the public that's outraged now would have had no idea. Let, let, let me jump in there because I actually thought about this almost as I was understanding what was going on. You know, in hockey, how <laughs> it's unbelievable this rule still exists. But it's it's a only a major penalty if there's blood. I actually started thinking about well, this. Well, no, like, not no, because they called the one in the uh, right. Sharks game with Pavelski. He wasn't. But this bleeding. happens, right? But, but well, it's guys high, try to make themselves bleed because they know they're going to get an extra two minutes on this penalty. Yeah, right? this and high happens. sticking. If they get called with a high stick and they're bleeding, they what, give them an extra. two. What I'm saying which is, is stupid. Nothing but. really matters, and this happens sort of in soccer and a lot of these other sports. Unless somebody's kind of laying on the ground, really injured. It might not be a foul, right? I mean, this this is sort yeah. of the objectiveness that we're dealing with. I thought about this with the horses. Like, is this what it, what it would have taken up until now? Would, Gen- there, what, would, would they have had to crash? Yeah, well, you know that, what I and mean. That's, see, that's what I don't. No one's talked about it. Generally, what you're talking about, Mike, is you get penalized on the on the on the aftermath or the injury, right? right? And in this case, thankfully, there wasn't one. But when you start to dive in and listen to people, um, it could very well easily have been the ugliest Kentucky Derby oh we have ever it seen. Was, it was if close. those two jockeys don't pull up when they're cut off, there there's mayhem. There's 10 horses that might not survive the Kentucky Derby. And then the level of outrage that we're all, some of us, some people are experiencing now, would have been a, a thousand times worse. So yeah. in that regard, I give the stewards a lot of credit for saying that affected a lot of things and it's our job to recognize when it does and penalize it when it does, regardless of what race this is. I want the thirty for thirty on those twenty-two minutes inside those rooms. Well, they had I the want camera to know, shot. I want to know who they interviewed. I want to know th- there had to be debate. There had to be somebody saying we can't do this, right? Because those people have to still exist. Sure, there there had to be a debate. But and, but if it's clear and it, and it's the standard of the sport, yes, right. Now this has happened in sports, and I, I want to say it was maybe it was the Western Conference Final. Uh, several years ago in the Blackhawks um, and the, the former director of officiating, and damn it, I forget his name, he called a penalty. Mm-hmm. He called a penalty, late, and it wasn't a penalty. Like, they were like, oh, that was a terrible call, and um, and he might have made a makeup call uh, to even things out, and they scored in a power play to force overtime or to win the game. It was maybe it was a penalty in overtime. I, People listening, like, yes, I remember that thing. And it was such a controversy. Like, how could he do this? It wasn't something they could overturn. Right. So, like, he made a gutsy call. It was an incorrect call, but a gutsy call. Um, or they don't make calls. I mean, listen, the Saints, they won Twitter, right? There's, oh, yeah. The oh, Saints yeah, yeah, won yeah. Twitter with that emoji. Like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, if they had done this in other sports, then the Saints might have been in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? Sure. If they'd done this. But th- this makes sense. Um, they want to prevent this thing, but let's talk about the real. Well, can I ask you a technical question first? Because I'm not enough of an expert to understand it. Yes. Th- this pro- was prompted by the, the claims of the two jockeys. Correct. That, right. A protest. Would it have been reviewed and potentially the outcome had the jockeys not? Like, does do the stewards have oh, the ability to look and say that's a blatant um, error and mistake? Or was it strictly prompted by the two jockeys that get on the phone and call in? I think I think it was prompted by that yeah. um, because I think it's like we talked about the skate and the crease. You know, there's such a major event, a, a championship. The major championship is one in the sport. Fact. 
the euphoria and everything. Wow, oh my that's God, a, everybody's checking Paul, their that's winnings. That's a great question because right? that, that is the integrity part of this, right? Would they have made the call yeah. on their own? That's an incredible yeah. question. I mean, we isn't got, that what the goal Anyone out there listening, if you know anything you about know? this, you got to let us know. We need this 30 for 30. This is a 30 for 30. We're oh, in the it's, It'll be a 30 for 30. I mean, this no, is. But they should only do it in 22 minutes. It should be 22. <laughs> it will. But it will, though, right? right? Yeah, because TV with is. commercials, 22 minutes. Well, yeah, TV show is 22 minutes. I love it. Maybe 22.30. right in itself right now. Uh, yep. Unless you're me producing a golf show for a local affiliate and you, get, and you gave him 27. Yeah, this is a question that I'll ask my guy, Tariko, because knowing Mike, he'll know the answers to all actually, of these I reached things. out to Mike. I really wanted to get him on here for yeah. five minutes. just Because the, what, what was in his head for those 20? What is he asking his guys for 22 minutes? Like, what information is he – like? In, how unprecedented. You know what I mean? The questions right. that he's – because you know him. He's sharp as a tack. Yep. He's probably asking all the right questions, getting all this information. I just want to I want to pick his brain It took about them this. a long time to get a replay that most of us uninformed right. people could understand. Right. I, you know, you had to see the head-on replay. Any other replay beyond the head-on one didn't really show you because I just remember looking at it going, "What are they talking about? Like what what horse? Show me which what horse fouled what." And then finally, they kind of got themselves going with the video and spotlighting and the head-on shot clearly shows him moving quote unquote three lanes over right Is yes it, it, that's that's what this was all about well let's talk about the money because there are people out there outraged because they they thought they won a trifecta superfecta or they had a lot of money in that horse and then there are people who are just like oh my god right uh, because there's a third group by the way yeah there's people who had country house right and threw the ticket away Ugh. and oh. can't find it Oh, there's those people too, and wow. those tweets are phenomenal. Go ahead, because he's do the a second biggest, <laughs> second biggest winning long shot, right? Second, in, yeah, in history, sixty-five to one odds, sixty-five to one odds. The payout, if you just bet a two-dollar exacta, right? The one-two, three grand, <laughs> three grand. Trifecta, a two-dollar trifecta. Which, if you're smart, you bet the fifty cents and you box it. But anyway, two dollar trifecta cash for over eleven thousand, Paul, nearly eleven and a half thousand. It's incredible. Superfecta, I think, paid fifty grand. It's unbelievable. That is just crazy money. Crazy money <laughs> on, on the bets, you know. And and people bet it right, and they bet the combinations. They, they did through all, you know. But not many people bet country house. No, I mean they. Just well, didn't. why would you? See, there were so many horses in the field, and he's sixty-five to one odds. Yeah. You know, most people betting this are casual bettors, right? They bet the Kentucky Derby. Were the odds makers an incredibly in error here and underestimating this horse? Because either way, he finishes in the top three. Correct. He was clear on the outside. I mean, he had he had a great run coming. War of Will was the horse that was, was getting nicked. That was the one horse on the inside rail, which I thought had a real chance before that. Yes. Um, so, the I, I mean, it would have broken down, I think, maximum security War of Will Country House, which would have still paid well. Still paid well, yep. But, I mean, in just doing some research here, if maximum security had won this race, that's seven straight favorites. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. Well, Seven straight, that would have been. And he was the favorite only because the the other favorite, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, Omaha Beach. Omaha Beach. Beach But $9 million bet on maximum security before the race. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. That's a lot of people who had a really bad 22 minutes. (laughs) That's what that is. My brother-in-law bet five bucks on that horse. Yeah. Um, I was at a, a wedding, and I have an app that you can bet. And then so everybody's giving me cash. 
for you know to bet you know, picking horses. It was just a fun thing in between ceremony, whatever. And he's the only one who bet on the favorite. Everybody's going big, yeah. right? Uh, not big enough on Country House though, and, and they're doing trifectas and all that stuff. And he's going, I just want to bet the favorite. I'm like, you're going to win 12 bucks. <laughs> like, really? That's just what I want to do. I'm like, this is the same one who says tax doesn't matter. Anyhow. <laughs> and it was great. I bet mean, hey, you won. Oh, wait a second. You did not win. He's like, what? Yeah. Pissed off the rest of the night. It was great. Um, what is your favorite horse bet, by the way? Mm. I don't know. You don't know? You have one? I see. I like doing well. I I'll do two bets. On, I, do, I do an exact and a trifecta every year. Yes, and I I, pick, I always pick the eight to win. That's just my number. But I don't really have like anything creative. Do you have a creative bet? Uh, no, I don't have a creative. Well, I the only creative bet I did I did a Baffert box. Nice uh, with, know, with his horses. With his horses, I did a Baffert trifecta box, and of course that lost. Um, but you know I'll do something with that with trainers. I'll pick three. Trainers who've won the most derbies, I'll mm-hmm. try to box them. Just try to do different things. Jockeys, the, 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 I'll pick that. The boxing is the way to go on these oh, things. Yeah. Yes, the boxing is the way to go it covers here. You, it covers you, right? My favorite bet's the exact box. Mm-hmm. You can pick multiple horses to fit in there, but you, you know, you're know you investing a little bit uh, in doing so. And you've got to get some long shots in there. So if it hits, you know, either you know get your money back if you get some favorites or you hit big. Yeah. So I like the exacta box, trifecta box. Let me, let me throw one. Superfectas are a waste of money. That's crazy, right? It's, you can't pick four. Four? To get four? Like, yeah. let me Let me end this segment on this. I just want your thoughts. Is it fair that the infraction happened on the inside rails and the outside horse wins the race? If, if the infraction changes the winner of a horse race, should it just be a null and void race? That's a great question. I, I think that was that question. was part of the confusion at first. You're like, well, wait a minute, that horse fouled. Fouled. Why did the one on the end? And I and right. I get it. It's there's cause and effect that's involved here yeah. because the foul prevents the middle horse from doing what he needs to do, and and then all the other things that happen beyond that. Um, it's a great question, I, and that was one of the things that popped into my head. I'm like, well, wait a minute, how how did that horse? win when the foul occurred on the other he was smart right because he was taking the, the yeah, clear path right absolutely. I mean, he wasn't getting in the mess but I, it just shouldn't seems, the just foul horses have benefited more yeah i mean that's I, the like argument i, said, I think right? war of will had a real chance if if he kept clean yeah i i i don't know i i understand it and, and but I he finished it. second so he it, you know he finished second, so he wins now. Yeah, but he finished second. Uh, he got six hundred grand. The uh, the owner. Yeah, the did. winner one point eight one point eight six million. That's what maximum security gave up. These are PGA Tour majors' money here. That's crazy <laughs> one point eight six. Not to mention the sponsorships and the barn I and mean, the opportunity with the triple crown and all that stuff. You know, now how about that? By the way, he's not going to run the Preakness. I get it. Why not? Why? What? Why? Are you kidding? To throw, he, it, to throw it back in everybody's face. Well, but if he has no chance to win the Triple Crown, essentially that's what these guys are all in it for. That's why there's 25 horses in the Derby. Oh, the stress the stress on the horse. Yeah. They, they say it is very stressful because of how uh, close uh, uh, they are on the calendar together. Yeah, of, of course. So, it's a medical nightmare. I, I right. get it. But. but again, it's all about the Triple Crown. Not not necessarily. Listen, the, the, the Kentucky Derby is the most prestigious. It's like NASCAR. The Daytona 500, the first one, is the most prestigious that you can win. Right. The Kentucky Derby is the most prestigious. But, if you feel like you've got a shot at the Crippler. But he had the best horse. That's the best horse. It was clearly the best horse. Correct. And you pissed away $2 million. So go win more in the Preakness, right? <laughs> yeah, but he, but he could probably win more running that horse on the normal I, 
beyond the triple crown it, level race. Is the day. horse messed up? Is there a chance of that? Because do you know what the jockey said? Is the horse pissed off? No, is that what well, you're asking? No. no. You know what the jockey actually said the reason this happened? The jockey claims he came around turn four. That grandstand noise hit him in the face and just threw him off course. Well, isn't that a relatively common? That's the but whole blind. Does that mean he's thing, not a great? Right? Does that mean he's not a great horse? Are they are they sidling this horse now because of that incident? I mean, can he not handle that kind What's of? What's the race? horse said on Twitter? <laughs> I don't know. Let's move on. Could be I so many questions. I don't know enough. We need but, the movie people. Yeah, uh, obviously. <laughs> listen, if, if there, there's probably concerns, uh, or I would they'd run him. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, a different kind of race, and that is uh, the free agency race. It's still going on in the NFL. However, yeah, um, it's, it's a big day. It's an interesting day in the National Football League. Yeah. Mike, explain what it's today is. It's a nerdy is. day. For those <laughs> of you who really follow free agency hard, one of the bigger, and we talked about it on this podcast, just really you know, with the teams who are kind of abusing this, it, the compensatory draft pick system, You know, the formula that really none of us sort of have fully figured out, but we can sort of kind of get it. If one of your free agents gets signed elsewhere uh, for a significant amount of money, you end up getting a, a draft pick back of third, fourth, or fifth round in the next draft, right? It's kind of like a yin and a yang kind of thing. Um, so, you know, the Steelers let Le'Veon Bell walk. He got paid handsomely in New York. They're going to get a third-round pick next year for that. That's just an easy example. Today is the, is the deadline. Do you like that, by the way? I, we, 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 had a, we had a show about this um, where I did like it with the institution of the, of the hard cap. And it was sort of a nice way for teams to sort of benefit from losing somebody, but with all this cap space and people, teams getting smarter and smarter with these trades and, and acquiring assets. I mean, you've got the Seahawks didn't even have to try and they turned four picks into 10 this year. I mean, if you can do that, why are we giving away picks? You know what I mean? Why, why, why is there a need for, for comp picks if teams can do that without even trying? And the Patriots have done this for a decade. Right. The and Patriots it, it, it add was picks in, every year. It was intended to reward teams that, couldn't pay players that left. Yeah. Now what it's become is a tool for teams to not pay players. That's right. Because yes. they Very know well they're going to get picked Very well back. said. Everybody has the cap money. It's the choice now. It's the yeah. choice. So I, I disagree. I think it's a it's a dying art. But it's here. Today's the deadline. If, if you can now, after today, sign a free agent, and they won't qualify for the compensatory formula. So players like Indomitian Sue, you know, Ziggy Ansah, Morris Claiborne, there's a couple of names still out there. You know, not not really offensively. I mean, Jay Ajay and Michael Crabtree are sort of your breadwinners on the offensive side. It's gotten real thin there. But m- no question, a player like Sue, teams have been waiting. Teams don't want to sign this guy because they want they don't want to forfeit the draft pick next year. Yeah, so and that's important as mentioned. Yeah. The draft pick comes from the team that signs him. Yeah, it's very similar to what's happening in baseball with the qualifying offer compensate, draft pick compensation to Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimball. Once the, I believe it's June 15th, baseball draft happens – that's the deadline. Well, now for those. wait, 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 Kevin. I think what you said wasn't correct. You don't well, what, forfeit a draft pick. No. no All what, right. Well, so what, then, what happens is is that it messes your formula. Right. You you don't give up you, you a fourth round pick. It, that the fourth round pick that goes to Baltimore because they didn't sign. The league creates. The league creates. Okay. So then why so why are teams because it's because for a a team like Baltimore that that's always been the king at this they may be in line for third and fourth picks but if they sign and and Sue they may lose that. the fourth round pick. It's they, a subtraction. They lose a compensatory. It's, 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 pick. A, it's a it's a loss versus gain. Yeah, I got formula. Yeah. So if All you right. sign free agents that qualify. It subtracts from your ability to right. gain comp picks for. Yeah. So if I lose, if I'm the Steelers, I lose Le'Veon Bell, I get a third round pick. Right. But if I sign Adama Sue, I lose that third round pick. You might, most likely, you might, if he yes. signs for the right amount gotcha. of money. Gotcha. Okay, likely. makes sense. Yep. 
Yep. So that's the that's a good way to understand that. But yeah, today's the deadline. So tomorrow these guys are essentially you know strap free, so they can go and get whatever they need money wise, years wise. It's not going to. Are these a whole bunch of one year contracts? I would think so. I would think so. I mean. It sort of amazes me Ziggy Ansah hasn't signed yet. He's got to be not healthy. He he was not healthy. He's he had a couple of injuries. Or, or, yeah. or there's questions as to how healthy he is. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine Sue Yeah, I mean, has, that's a relatively young pass rusher. Yeah. Those guys don't usually they don't become wait available. Around. Yeah. yeah, I imagine Sue probably has two, three teams lined up that, that he's been waiting for this threshold to pass. Um, it's probably going to be a playoff team, and we're all going to hate it, you know? <laughs> um, but we'll see. And Mo Wilkerson, another player, um, kind of similar to Sue. We'll see. I think tomorrow's going to be a big day for uh, an, sort of another wave of free agency just based on this whole formula. All right. Very interesting uh, that these – because you wonder why these players, particularly Sue, I, I, I yeah. figured someone would snatch him up um, earlier. And, you know, Eric Berry's interesting, by the way. It is. Uh, he's an interesting player, um, you know, Big time leader, big time up there, sort though. of locker room guy up yeah, there. Up there a little bit. History of injuries, yeah, lately. tons of history. But, yeah, but but yeah, a captain of the defense type player who shouldn't command a lot of money because he's made a ton of money from Kansas City not to play. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is true. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the Rams uh, and Dominican Sue's former team. Yeah, they uh, they're rebuilding. And Todd Gurley has that big contract, but you're very concerned. It's been real delicately sort of done. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's been delicately talked about. It, it, if you how just, hurt is you he? Sort of if you it, right since the Super Bowl. But what I'm saying is they've sort of done things over the past two months, three months, including the draft, that just sort of add up to. We don't know what the heck's going on with Todd Gurley, and I'm not sure they do either. And even if they know, they're not comfortable because they're covering their bases in case yeah. he's never the same player that he was. I mean, there was no reason really for them to to uh, match the tender to Malcolm Brown that the, that the Lions put out there, the offer sheet. He's back in the fold. They've got five running backs now in the fold, four of which can contribute. Um, the, the significant draft pick, they traded up in round three, which is becoming that target round for starting running backs. Let's just be honest. That's where, that's where most teams are finding their next running back, and the Rams did that this year. They traded up for Daryl Henderson out of Memphis, Number seventy overall. That's not. That's a not for nothing pick on a team that is sort of locked in and ready to go. Right. I mean. I mean, they're not rebuilding, but they appear to be rebuilding this running back position, and it's something to watch because I. I, I just think there is at least const- major concern for Todd Gurley's immediate future. But holy cow, financially, he is an, he is a nightmare for them. He's well, a nightmare. Well, uh, financially, yes. Yeah. Is there a thought? That maybe they're keeping Malcolm Brown. They draft uh, Daryl Henderson yep. to preserve Gurley, meaning it, so they could yeah, have him in the big moments. Cut his gonna, touches in half, you know, maybe. The, the, the Gronk theory, mm-hmm. right? Like, hey, you know what? You're going to sit this game. Whatever we're gonna we're gonna preserve you. So you're right. at the big moments, you're going to play because he didn't play in the big moments last year. That has to be it. That's a, that's like the Warriors, right? Yes. <laughs> They're going to take a few weeks off. I mean, the Patriots, too. The Patriots did this. They, they sort of mail it in with Brady's offensive scheme for the first six to seven weeks now based, based on how it's looked. I, 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 of course, that's what they're going to do if he, can, if he can go at all. Does anybody know if he can go at all? Nobody knows how, exactly how much he's hurt. Right? I mean, he could miss the – listen. They could sit him. They could sit him. He's only right? worth $5 million cash to them this year. They could sit him. He's guaranteed through 2020, fully guaranteed, a bonus and two salaries through the next two years. And the dead cap is crazy. I mean, he's going nowhere. 
He might be going to the reserve pup list. Yeah. Is this just point. another example <laughs> yeah. of what we've talked an awful lot about, which is giving big money to it's running tough. backs is the is the dumbest thing tough. you can and do. And more and more. It no matter like how Zeke, good they are. It looks like Zeke's not getting that money. You know, I mean, it just... And again, they, they got the best out of Todd Gurley. He got them to new heights. He got them to a Super Bowl. He was an, well, he was an MVP, wasn't he? Well, he did, he, did, he get him, yeah. did he get him to the Super Bowl? Well, he got them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he had a heck of a year. Yes. But it's just I, I know, another... But, but another the playoff ex- games, he didn't carry the load. No, no. What I'm saying, he, yeah. his season got sure. them in position to be in the Super Bowl. CJ Anderson. I don't know why you would give big money to a running back anymore. What, there's no, there's just, it doesn't make any sense because even if he's the best guy in the league, when he's the best guy in the league, it's only getting worse from there beyond. And if you can replace him and get roughly 80% of the production of the best guy in the league for a, a, a mid-round draft pick, it makes no sense to ever give guys money. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play advocate here right. uh, on that for a moment. What makes sense is how long you give them money for. Mm-hmm. And the way the system's like, – so, for example, let's look at uh, – and why can't I think of the guy the, – the Giants running back. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, thank you. I want to say Charles Barkley for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little more a, of a fullback. I was just watching a, a video of his golf swing again, and it seems to be in shambles once again. Come on, Chaz. But anyway, uh, Saquon Barkley's kind – they drafted him. He's an unbelievable player. Yeah. And, you know, like Elliot is an, has been an unbelievable player, but how long can they sustain it when you keep feeding these guys the football as much as you can because they're great players? Four years of their contracts, well, right, Mike? Yeah, well, that's it. That's yeah, that's the point, right? Um, so we, we look at Barkley's money because he was drafted second overall and say, wow, that's not great for running backs. But you know what? The next contract, maybe he doesn't get it look, because Ezekiel he's Elliott's out. everything right now. He's everything right now because he's – He's the next one of those top. What was he top five? Was he a th- oh yeah he third was, fourth? I, I think, think he was fourth. Yeah, I believe you're right. So top five running backs, those days are probably gone, right? I don't think Fournette's getting another contract in Jacksonville. It's going to be Zeke, then it's going to be Barkley, and one one hand might feed the other, right? I mean, if if this girly thing really does sort of fall down, like we like we sort of think it might, um, and Zeke doesn't get paid, let's say Zeke gets franchise tagged, which I think is looking more and more likely. I think this girly thing is a prime reason for those guys to be very worried. The to me the only the only saving grace for this position right now is Le'Veon Bell. If Le'Veon Bell is a monster in New York this year, it's going to shut everybody up, right? It has to. Well, because he took his tag, then he then he moaned about the tag. He, he stepped aside. He, he forfeited it. Came back fresh. And if he's the top running back in the league again, then we've got to rethink how this works. And, and one way I want to rethink about it is. Why can't we make all of this work together, right? We've talked about cap space. Teams still have it. Right now, teams still have it, even with the draft picks to, to be signed. Why can't you sign Todd Gurley to three for 40 like they did and draft a third-round pick and bring in two veterans? Why can't all of this coexist? Why does Todd Gurley have to have 30 touches a game, even though he's worth $40 million? Who cares, right? Who cares anymore? Do you know, do you know why? Just you, make it all safer. I, You make fantastic points. The... What's going to be talked about, like we do this once a week, right? They're going to talk about, I mean, listen, ESPN has afternoons of football shows. NFL Network has their own network well, to talk about all this stuff. And then in L.A., for those who care, uh, <laughs> what's gonna, they're just going to talk about it on Sports Talk what, all the time. What's going right? to be talked about is the fantasy shows. Sure. We can't start anybody because if Todd Gurley's only getting nine touches – 
Who do we start? Right. That's the conversation. That's there, what's going to drive the media. There's still a glory about the running back position based on what a lot of us have grown but, up but, watching football, but it's not a reality They don't anymore. have to be horses anymore. No. no. They don't have to be. You know what? Um, that's why when you join Dynasty Owner, you right. should be... Who, who the uh, heck do you draft? Who do you draft? Josh Jacobs, by the way. But you have to build a, a deep draft here with... Uh, Gruden's going to use his running backs, right? He should. <laughs> right. Let me tell you more about Dynasty Owner here real quick. It's the first Dynasty Salary Cap Fantasy Sports game where, you you know, week to week, but actually you have contracts and salaries. You have the roster power of both coach and general manager. You don't just trade for players, but with Dynasty Owner, you can acquire draft picks or Dynasty Dollars, which is the virtual currency used to play the game. You rack up the dollars each week, whether you win or lose your matchup, and use them to build a Dynasty long-term, year-to-year, so we can make those decisions about your running back. And if you have to sit girly, don't worry, Paul. I won't. You get a percentage of his bench points because a true dynasty is built with a deep bench. It allows you to even go over the salary cap and go all in if you want, but there is a luxury tax. Fine, just like the real world. First game to combine week-to-week fantasy sports along with ownership GM strategy. Own your team. Go to DynastyOwner.com. Sign up for the 2019 beta draft. Tampa Bay Rays. Wow. What's the transition here? A little baseball in here. Yeah, what, what is going on? This team, are they, I mean, are they for real? They're the real deal. They really are. They're doing everything. They're starting relievers still. Their, start, their starters that come in or actually start have been phenomenal. Lights out. I mean, they're maybe one, two Cy Young guys right now. Um, the bats are there. They're hitting home runs. They're bunting. They're stealing. They're doing all the old school stuff, all the new school stuff. 22 wins, leads the majors. Leads the majors. They're way ahead of Boston and New York. I mean, I, you, you have to just buy in at this point. You have to. He, um, by the way... The you know, so Ryan Stanek, right? Yeah. The, the reliever started eight of thirty. Designated games. starter, right? <laughs> Which is just fascinating to me. He is the James of Jeopardy, but in baseball, <laughs> right? <laughs> Do it differently. Eight starts, sixteen innings pitched. <laughs> That's, That's unbelievable. It's awesome. Phenomenal. But yeah, but you you think about you get out there. I mean, the, I, I get the concept, and yeah, it. Boy, well, I see how it go if they could continue this thing, but it actually makes sense, doesn't it? It makes a ton of sense. Tell everybody the payroll numbers, Mike, because they're staggering. They're they're bonkers. I mean, you probably assume it with Tampa Bay just because they never pay. They're really not paying. I mean, their their entire payroll right now is sixty one million dollars. Entire. That's money lost to dead guys. That's the Yankees guys, outfield. Sorry. Guys lost. <laughs> Oh, it's less. It's less. Um, it's nuts. It's the lowest by over $10 million. It's $165 million less than the Boston Red Sox. Oh, my God. That's where we are right now. That's the wow. range of payrolls in baseball right now, and, and the, the lowest is on top right now. That's just crazy. They're, they're pitching staff. Those five starters, actual starters, you know, the guys who come in in the second. Sure, right, yeah. <laughs> Eighteen million for all five guys, wow. and fifteen million of that is one player. Wow, that's great. They, four of their starters cost them three million dollars this year. It's just nuts. Uh, I could have given you fifteen numbers with the with the Rays because they're all bonkers. There's 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 only one player worth more than ten million. That's Charlie Morton at fifteen. Everybody else is eight million or less. Everything's just crazy value. They're starting eight players. They're the regular starting eight position players are worth twenty six million dollars. There's 12 players in the league that make more than that this year alone. I mean, everywhere you look on this team is value. It's just they're bonkers, and they're they're real. They're really going to keep winning. There's no question. All right, so the, the, easy, the easy question is <laughs> – I love it. <laughs> how have they done this? That, that's, that's the very simplistic question. That How have they done this? They have maximized a roster full of players who understand that it's not all about an elevated swing – 
It's not all about getting rid of certain things. They're not gimmicky. They are shifting. They are starting relievers. You can call those gimmicks if you want to, but if you sit down for five minutes, all of that sort of has logical sense too, right? Like why are they starting the reliever? Because they want the first six guys in the batting order. He's getting two innings. They want the first six guys in the batting order to see two different pitchers, their first two at bat. So they can't get locked in to somebody for six innings. That's just it's just good sense, right? Right. It's like in Little League, you know, you get up there and you imagine you have a pitch machine for the first two innings and then a pitcher for the next two. That's what it is. It's You want to change the eye level, right? Well, yeah, and you've got a guy who's not going out there to establish anything to Nothing. start. He's just going out there to blow he's you away. He's going to hammer. Right. He's bringing the yes. hammer, and maybe he's got a changeup or a curveball that can throw you off, and then the starter comes in, and he's more meticulous and tedious, and you've got to figure him out. It, it's about keeping players on their toes, and they've done it all year long. And and you can get used to Ryan Stanek, but they've got two other guys they can start if they need to. Sure. And they're going to keep doing They keep mixing it up. And that's just one of the ways that they're keeping people off the game. But they just they hit the ball. They hit singles and doubles. They've got speed. They steal bases. They bunt when they need to. They're doing all the little things that Joe Madden sort of brought to that franchise, right? At the crazy Joe Madden. Right. Um, and, oh, by the way, those Chicago Cubs have won eight in a row, and they're, they're maybe the hottest team in baseball not named Tampa Bay. It's, just, it's not a mistake that these two franchises are sort of leading the way right now. Can I tell you a quick Joe Madden story? Go, please. Um, He's amazing. He is yeah. amazing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Joe Madden. Never met Joe Madden. Bucket but list. Um, when I worked for the Sabres, uh, we would always have the same bus driver, Jack, in Boston, and he would also drive the baseball teams. And he would say, Joe Madden. I'd ask him, like, all right, so who's the who's the best baseball manager? He drives like, Joe Madden, easily. Yeah. He's the best. This is when he was at Tampa. And the craziest. Yeah, and he goes, but one of the cool things about him, he brings a bike with him. I got to I gotta make room. I got to get his right. bike on the bus. He's got a foldable bike that he brings, and he just rides rides all over. Brings his bike every time. I just thought that was cool. Nuts. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, doesn't, doesn't he? Need, isn't he the man? He, he has a wind like a a, a mobile home, like a like yeah, an RV, right? That yeah. he's got that like he a travels, Scooby Doo bus, I think. Something that he like that, travels right? like he has like an RV that he brings to spring yeah. training or whatever, too, right? Yeah. All right, so when well, you get it, a, it comes with a name, Madden. That's right. When you get a team like this doing what the Rays are doing, inevitably we want to say, how are other teams going to start? copying this or are you already seeing signs of teams saying if that's working down there in Tampa it's going to work for me yeah it's common I don't think we've seen it regularly from anybody else a lot of teams have figured out that you can first of all I think the the, the art of having seven guys in your lineup that just go up there hitting home runs is dying finally I think it's not going to go away obviously home runs are like three pointers right they're still the best way to score um but but there's got to be there's got to be a, a give and a take to that, and that's what Tampa Bay has done very well. Look at Tampa Bay still scores 12, 13 runs. It's just you know maybe two or three of those come off the home run. Teams will adapt to this, and it's it's about lineup shifting too. It's it's about maybe having some power in the in the bottom of your batting order. That that these adjustments are all the strategies that managers have sort of been toying with over the years, but have been afraid to do because it's against the norm. And really, no other sport has been afraid to go against the norm more than baseball. It's just the tradition is so rich. Um, Tampa Bay's shaking it up. Joe Madden's shaking it up in Chicago. He's been doing that for a decade now between the two franchises. St. Louis and Houston have picked it up. There's other teams sort of getting involved. But, you know, Boston and New York, they're not. And it's going to be really interesting to see if their traditional high-paid, you know, staffs are going to be able to keep up with this sort of, you know, the jumble of the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, isn't part of it, I mean, because the Rays aren't paying, um, they need to do something different. Right, they got to figure out a different way to beat. How am I going to beat the teams that are outspending me? Yeah, and I just look at that they're trying to do. They had to figure out. It's much like the A's, right? With Billy B, they had to figure out something still, different. Still with Billy B, right? He's still doing it because he is winning. He has won the past three years. He's winning again this year to some degree. 
Um, and he did pay a, an actual player this year. <laughs> like he actually paid somebody money this year. So there, yes, it's about knowing when to t- when to pick your spots, right? That's the small market situation we're in Cleveland, right? All these teams that sort of have evolved, Houston, of course, it, it's when knowing when to be in your window, which we've talked about a bunch. Tampa Bay was in their window last year. We sort of missed it, right? We sort of missed that they won 90 wins or won 90 games last year. And they made a couple of great moves this year, some acquisitions. I think there's probably a pitching, a pitching move coming for them in July um, with some of these expiring contracts out there, maybe a Madison Bumgarner out of San Francisco, something like that, something Verlander-ish, right, that Houston did that sort of pushed them through the finish line. But, yeah, you're right. They have to think small. They have to think different. And that's why these small market, mid-market teams, you know, Houston, Kansas City, have had success over the past five years. Are they drawing over 10,000 people? Nope, a game? they had 8,000 yesterday no. for a See, that's gem from Blake Snell. Too bad. Snow. That's too 8, bad. 8,000. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to shift our, uh, our gears to, but we mentioned the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, I want to talk some Celtics. Yeah, we're going to go Boston to finish this thing out, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I really want to talk. Can we talk basketball first? No, let's, let's last. I know it's last, but I, I we have an agenda here, Kevin. I know agenda. we have an agenda, but I, I there's so much basketball. Let's I, do I, it. I want to make sure that we get the basketball in. So hold on, Celtics fans. All right, let's talk Patriots. Back to football here for a second because we'll stay in Boston um, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Right, okay. he's not in Boston anymore, but boy, his value to the Patriots, like unbelievable. Right, I mean, this has been over a year and a half ago. They traded him to the 49ers, and the return. It's like. Why are the Patriots winning all the time? Because they do stuff like this. This is one of the coolest things we do at Spotrek, and I got I to gotta give my uh, stack guy, developer guy, Scott Allen, all the credit for this. We we map these trades from start to finish, right? So if a trade hits and there's, if, for instance, with Garoppolo, it was one-to-one, right? San Francisco got a quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. The Patriots got a number two pick um, in 2018. That was it. It was nice and easy, except for it's not, right? Because that number <laughs> two pick then spirals down. If it's traded and then those picks are traded – and you get these this big tree, right? And we follow that tree inside of our database, and we're able to kind of pull that data out. So I, I was able to go in there and pull this thing out and sort of see this web that that existed, and I could not believe what I found. So I could not believe pa- it. Had the Patriots just picked a player, done would have been done, right? Right. Yeah. And player plays retired, it's done, right? It's yeah. would have been one, one for, for one. one, which I'll argue might not be the worst thing. That, that sometimes the Patriots outsmart themselves with all of this. I, too. I don't know. Wait till all right, everybody. Wait. Till, uh, here you go. What, uh, uninterrupted, Mike's going to weave this web, and it's incredible. Here we go. Yeah, and so instead of one second-round pick, they continued to trade the picks that they were acquiring for that one pick, and they ended up with now seven players, four of which I think are going to start this year. Truly, <laughs> truly. I think four of which are going to start. They've got, a, they've got a potential left tackle. They've got two cornerbacks on this list, an inside linebacker who I think is going to compete with uh, Hightower eventually when he, they have, need to make him walk next year. That that Jarrett Stidman, the quarterback they drafted, I don't I don't know what kind of sure. lifespan he's got, but maybe he turns into a backup they can trade like they do with all their backups. He'll be on the he'll be with the team they drafted him. Yeah, he's going to stay. So, yeah, he's yes. going to be a practice squatter at best. Uh, and then a, a deep, an edge rusher. And <laughs> so think about all the positions I just oh, and a running back. Think about all these positions I just mentioned. All these positions are 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 positions they lost this year, right? They lost Trey Flowers. They lost uh, Trent Brown. They lost. They they lost. Uh, they're going to lose the McCordys after this year. They're going to get rid of Hightower after this year. They just they're one step ahead of themselves all the time. They know what they're losing. There's always a, a give and a take with this team. They turned a backup quarterback into seven players, and they have a 2020 fourth round pick still to go. 
which, which you know they're going to trade, trade right? up that's or down. That's the Randy to Moss trade, yeah. right? That's that's what they did with Randy Moss, yeah. a fourth round yep. pick. So there's probably <laughs> still another playing comer from for Jimmy Garoppolo who might be out of San Francisco next year. Who knows? <laughs> He's on a year to year basis now. He could be done. It's just unbelievable if you if you really follow these things through. That is that that is remarkable, and that's fun uh, that they're able to turn. Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy who wasn't going to play for him. No, like see, that's the brilliant part. Like this they guy didn't even need him. They had no leverage. They right. didn't need him. <laughs> they didn't even need him. <laughs> and backup quarterbacks for the Patriots, they've gone on to make money and oh. have marginal success. Matt Castle, Castle. right, made the playoffs with the yeah. Chiefs. Jacoby Brissett. You know, I Still mean, excuse me, he made, the, he made the playoffs with the Patriots. He didn't, did he make, I don't think Castle. No, they made, didn't make the playoffs right. that year. That's the one All blip right. in the year. They won 11 games and didn't make the playoffs with Matt Castle, yeah. at quarterback. Yeah, plenty. All right, the basketball team. You know, Boston's going, has a potential, still has a potential to go for the slam in all the sports. Yeah, if you don't know about this. I mean, the Red Sox won the World Series. Patriots won the Super Bowl. The Boston Bruins just uh, eliminated the Columbus Blue Jackets to reach the Eastern Conference Finals. One step away here. And the Celtics are on the Eastern Semis. However, thanks to uh, Giannis, Giannis. uh, 39 points last night. Can, can you imagine? Down three, they're down 3-1 to the Bucks. I mean, we sit here in Buffalo where it's misery, right? Sports hell. <laughs> can you imagine one city winning all four? I can't even fathom it. Well, first of all, we what do you, what do you well, and, do they, and all four teams have won over the last right, what, but, 10 years. But, yes. but in one once, year. Right? In yeah, one year. In every one year. two months, there's another chance. Can you even imagine? I, I don't even know how to. That's not even Pelican. No, nope, not, not in our universe here. But <laughs> it just it, sa- it says a lot to me about about the passion for sports in that city that drives the teams to perform well, to hire really talented people, to do everything within their power to be successful and yeah. to win. And I think that's where the correlation between city and teams come from. Well, hold on a second. You're saying, but that statement says other teams and owners don't want to win, don't have no, the drive. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I think I, I, you could argue with me that that Boston fans are if not the most, among the most passionate in the country. And I think that drives an expectation that makes an owners not just want to win, but know they have to win. And they, in order to do that, they have to sign the best players and hire the best managers and all of that other stuff. It's not coincidence, Kevin, See, that I, I, all these teams have been this successful. Uh, well, I, I don't think – well, I'm not going to say it's not coincidence. But what I'm going to say is – so you have Boston, and yeah, it's a great sports town because their teams win. Okay, um, is it is it a better sports town than New York? I think because there are only there are singular teams in in there's no more there's no split allegiances that better worse different. Is it a better sports town than Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think it. Why? Is. Because the Pirates suck. No, because I I just I think there's a different fan base. Yeah, there's a different attitude. Has there. New York or L even come close to this? That's what. That's my point. <laughs> like, well, no, Boston's but but not them. But here's but so <laughs> here's the point I'm going to get to. So if I'm the owner of the um, Bruins, and by the way, the Bruins lost for many many years. They, they 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 you know oh, yeah. they won and then you know yeah they just made money. Sort of the Red Sox, right? And the Red Sox <laughs> are terrible for many many years, and then all of a sudden they 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 win, and but they have all this money. They're willing to spend the money. Owners got to be willing to spend the money, mm-hmm. and. When they see the others win, yes, they want to spend it because 
people aren't going to buy their tickets. Well, I'm, I'm just going to be all in on the Patriots here instead of right. uh, going to Bruins this, games. Isn't or some Celtic. of this Brady? Maybe a lot of this. Isn't it Brady? No question. The consistency it's of the sort Patriots of established has a standard. It has, right. It had to drive the other franchises in that city, right? But let me even go farther out, and I, I wish I'd done the research. Has the state of California ever even done this? <laughs> With all of those teams in all of those sports. Has this ever all, been won done? Every, it won a championship in the, in the same, same year. year. Has, there been, has there been a well, California has it ever been done? Period. Well, That's to what think. I mean, like a state. So you got to think 49ers, Giants, Dodgers. Raiders. Lakers. Warriors, Lakers, right. Clippers, Kings. Well, the Clippers, save them. <laughs> but uh, uh, the Lakers. There's 15, 20 teams if you're talking about all four sports. Sure. I don't think it's ever been done. So if the fact that Boston is even cl- could have three out of four is incredible. Right. See the difference, yeah. Kevin. The difference, Kevin. You, you cited Pittsburgh, and nothing against Pittsburgh. Love Pittsburgh. Friends, it's great city. I don't know that the standard in Pittsburgh for ownership is the same mm-hmm. to spend the money and be successful. Well, not with the Pirates, no. Well, well but with any of the team, you know, again, the Penguins have won. I just, I just think in general, there's a different feeling in the city. Maybe Brady and the Patriots have established it. There's just a different sense of what the fans demand. And let's be honest, Boston is a very wealthy, right. large city, yeah. much larger, probably double the size of Pittsburgh, which means double the resources. Boston's a very unique city, and you've got incredible blue collar, but you've got incredible higher education in all the colleges that are there and the computer technology and the health sciences. It's a really unique city, in my experience, in a lot of different ways. And I think all that adds together, even though the professor from Harvard and the guy who's who's running the T have that same level of passion for the, for the Red Sox in particular, but the sports as a whole. And I think that just elevates the demand level there. Does winning equal passion for a sports team? <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. It because, equals uh, interest, right? Okay, but it doesn't it equal passion interest. because I'll use the New Jersey Devils as an example. I think passion pushes winning more. It equals money. It, Be- well, it equals money in, right? It brings money in, which then allows you to spend more. Does that help? Sure. Because, Are fans yeah. in Boston any less passionate about the Red Sox when they're struggling? Sometimes even more so. No, no, no. That that's, that's my that's my point. Yeah, that is interesting. No, that's my point because Cubs fans, like all those years of losing, passionate Cubs well, fans. Knicks. Right? Where are the Knicks right now in all this? Right? The Knicks are terrible. Yes. I think I think huh. I think we're we're struggling to define what passion means. Sometimes well, I'm like, not. Passion you know, I mean, means the, you love sports yeah, and but, you love but, watching but your team. There's You're always go to been games. the argument about the Cubs that people go to Cubs games because it's a cool place to go and hang out and have an old style in the bleachers. Is that different than passion for demanding winning? Wow. I want to know who else could do this. Who else can do this? Can Dallas? Uh, Los Angeles definitely can, right? The Dodgers. But, but how do you determine who can or can't do it? How about it? Houston? Well, you Houston, get, Dallas you, combined. Well, because right? yeah, you got the you've got, hockey team. You've got right. Texas Rangers. You've got the Houston Astros. Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars. Yeah, they, they can do Cowboys. I, I just I think it's a very rare. I, I think it's rarer than we, we give it credit to. Well, they have it all like going. Detroit's at the same, never doing this, uh, <laughs> right? Not with the Lions, no. Uh, they have it all going at the same time. Yeah, but because you look at Detroit, let's take Detroit for example. Right, they've had three of their franchises win right. championships, right, and have uh, little mini runs. Uh, the Red Wings were a dynasty in hockey. The Pistons, the bad boys, right? But they didn't happen at the same time. And then you had the Detroit Tigers. Tigers may have been, and actually, the original Tigers, right? 
82. Let me ask you this. Right? The when Kirk they won Gibson Tigers? Kirk, Kirk Gibson Tigers. Um, you know, they were before the Red Wings Correct. Uh, came and, onto and their, their scene. And before the Bad Boys. And before too. the Bad Boys. Although the Bad Boys. That was late 80s, early it, 90s. It might have been the it? Tigers, then the Bad Boys, then the Red Wings, and then the Tigers again. I right. just think it's fluke. <laughs> I think, I, well, that's I a, think, yes, I agree. For because it all at the same time, it is fluke. We spend so much time with team building and, and understanding that, you know, some some years it's just not going to be your years. You've got to flip it over, like the Lakers right now, right? It's just fluky, right? I mean, the Celtics had all of these things go right, right? They drafted the right players. They acquired all these high draft picks through trades. Yeah, it's not their year, by the way. Yeah, but <laughs> they might rip it all down and sure. trade for Anthony Davis and be a monster next year, right? Right. So, and then Do, obviously the doesn't Red Sox appear that Kyrie Irving's going to stay with the Celtics. Doesn't I, appear that way. I, I don't know. Well, if Adam Sandler has his way, he'll go to the Knicks along with well, Kevin Durant. What if it's Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis? <laughs> That'd be fine. Yeah, Kyrie, Dur- uh, Kyrie Irving with any bo- any of those <laughs> guys I mean. would be fine. Yes, like, wouldn't wouldn't you trade other pe- other pieces at this point and try to resign Kyrie Irving? I think I, I would. I would absolutely. Right? D- does here, I'll leave you with this? Does the passion and the standards set by the city of Boston attract the highest level of people, general managers? You know, people that make the ultimate decisions that lead to successful teams. Is that where a really good General manager in any sport says, "I want to go. I want to go to Boston. I want to sure. go there." It's well, maybe money. that would be the correlation amongst the four amongst the four sure. teams is that that there's a that people want to be there. The highest level, highest achievers, the the Theo Epstein's at the time of the world wanted to be in Boston. Probably had their choice of going other places. Is that, is that, is that any? As we're looking for ways to link all these four together, is is I, that part of it? It's for sure, part and then of that it. leads to players likely who it, see the same thing. It's an interest because of the winning. It's money, right? I mean, sure, obviously the price tags are going to be better. Yeah, and again, that's why I brought it up. Boston's but, an incredibly wealthy city. That has a lot to do with it. But I, I just think Belichick and Brady owe most of this. Correct. Yeah, I mean, probably, they deserve most of the credit. They set for this. the standard. No they question. They have built the, the the totem pole, and everybody else is trying to jump on. Right? I mean, that's just what it is. And if you have that, what other city can can claim that stake right now? This sounds like a great future spot track podcast with some with a someone from the sure. city of Boston, sure, who has covered these sports for a number of years. Yeah, I'd why, love to. How did we I'd, get to here? We're just guessing <laughs> at it based on our trips there. I would love to hear what someone who has lived and been in the middle of all this, you know, a, a Bob but, Ryan. Or a Dan Shaughnessy, those well, are big names in Boston. What what they think about this? Let let me let me say this about Boston. If you grow up in New England, you're a Red Sox fan, right? I mean, you're you're born out of the womb. You gotta you gotta be on the cap, right? Sure. Um, the Patriots stunk for years. Yeah, right. I mean, Brady put that on the map, right? Uh, uh, when it came I, to Celtics. Bell- Belichick, I but think, when it came to Celtics, that. if you're also like that, that B flipped around backwards. It was the the Shamrock, right, right from the Celtics. They were, I mean, great with you know Kuzi and Havlicek, right, and then and the Bird, and um, so they had been great for many many years. And then they won with Pierce and Garnett, um, but you know it's just a little you know a hit. It was like dropped out of nowhere, right, for that with the Celtics. When you look at the Bruins, yeah, they, they won way back in the day. And then they, Chara, you know, they, they won um, the Stanley Cup, I think the hardest thing to win in sports, by the mm-hmm. way, uh, with that. And then the Red Sox finally came through after all the tradition, all those years. And now they that can't they stop winning. And now now they can't four. stop winning. They've won Correct. four in the last 15 and, years. And, and part of it is, yeah, I, I, think, play, I think players – Look at it and say, man, Fenway Park, it's unique. It's a special place. I'd love to go play there. They're going to pay me mm-hmm. to go play in Boston, and it's a great city. 
It's you know it is it is a great city. Um, as much as it pains me, I to think say the it. first point that you made is is big for me. It's not just the city of Boston. It's Maine. It's Vermont. It's New Hampshire. True. It's Connecticut. It's a big area. It's, it's a big area. And they're where close together. Everybody is locked in on one city and one team. You don't get that in New York. You don't get that in California. No, or Chicago. You don't get that in Chicago. You don't get yeah. that in Texas. There are, it's very unique. And, and again, how much that drives the finances and the passion and the interest. It's everybody in a seven state area when the minute you're born and you decide you're going to follow sports you're rooting for one of well, the Boston and teams. here's the other thing it was established by uh, two generations ago yes. when it, you could not watch every game on television of any team yes where all you saw were Patriots games and maybe the Monday night football game or all you got were Red Sox games on TV 38 right uh, on a Saturday that's all you got right I mean now you think about the generation of kids now and I'll look at my kids that you know I can't believe I'm gonna say it. my youngest likes the Patriots and and everybody's like why is it because he he only watches a few games a year. He'll watch the Monday night game, and he watches his playoff games, right? You don't have and who's be, in them? The you Patriots. You don't have to be the fan of your dad's team anymore. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. But so. let's keep our eye on the prize here. It is the general managers. I, I, I think it is. so. I, I mean, I, it I is. think so. Well, you can it, hire it's the, because you, of money. It's because of all the proximity, the geography we're talking about. There's plenty of bad money that's but the been guys spent that are clearly. there. Yes, the guys that are there are just the smartest in the world right now. They are. I mean, there's. It's not a fluke that Daryl Morey and his Houston Rockets are where they right. are. He he established this analytical system, and it is working, and it's definitely working. It's definitely working. So there's there's a whole aspect of this that is just nerdy GM. Success. Well, there, but there are plenty of owners who are willing to pay for top talent. Yeah, but you got to buy in. You got to buy in. You've got to let him. I mean, I'm. We're, you're starting to hear stories now about how GMs are not just pencil writer, you know, paper guys. They're in in the dugouts now. They, they are making roster moves. It's Moneyball in reality here. It's really happening. That you know, the guys from the Mets, the guys from the Dodgers. The front office is in these coaches' ears to the point of where the coaches are sort of just proxies, right? Yeah. They're just sort of, you know, I'm here to, ma- to to sort of manage the day-to-day operations, but you know, and I get a I get I get a word of the three guys I should start in the outfield tomorrow, based on the numbers and based on the weather and based on blah blah, you know, certain you know heartbeat rates because all these guys are hooked up. This stuff all exists and it's working. And if owners aren't willing to buy in financially and, and, and mentally to this whole system. They're going to be behind because those teams are winning. They're winning. Tampa Bay is one of them, by the way. Right. All right. Great stuff here. Uh, as always, check out uh, all contract information, spottrack.com. Make sure you uh, check out the premium section. Become a premium or ad-free experience. Some other goodies, too, coming your way. Uh, and we'll continue to talk about this. Never, We're never short on things to talk about uh, in the sports world and the money of sports and how teams were built. For Paul Peck and Mike Gennetti, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to the SpotTrack.com podcast, which, of course, is brought to you by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Learn more on how to preserve wealth for professional athletes and entertainers at morganstanley.com slash GSE. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. SIPC.